Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to the episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the her and miser. Oh. I like that word. Are we? I tried out for a play where there was, maybe it was called the miser. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I think it was. Mm. It didn't make it, but I remember learning what the word miser, miser. meant. <laughs> uh, speaking of plays, Janie is super into Marvel superheroes okay. right now, mm-hmm. and she asked to watch Age of Ultron, okay. the Avengers movie, mm-hmm. and so that was on, and Tony Stark at one point makes this really obscure reference to Eugene O'Neill. Do you know who that is? Mm-mm. Okay, so he was a famous playwright, and he wrote Long Day's Journey into Night, and oh, that's okay. what he's no. known okay. for, is like this really depressing, famous play. Yeah, I know the play. I just did. So just in the middle of the Marvel movie is just this super obscure reference to Eugene O'Neill. I've never noticed before, but also like you would have had to have like read the play or gone to the play or right. studied the play, which I did because I was an English major. But all that right. to say, it was just like. <laughs> I'm watching it with my kid and I was just like, did any did anyone get that reference? Like they wrote in a reference for English majors. Right. No one else was gonna get or this. Or maybe that was like a little uh who plays it? Who put uh, Robert Downey Robert Jr. Jr. Yeah. Maybe he like just threw that in there that or, or something. something and they kept it. I don't know, but yeah. I was just like, This is weird. Anyway, hi. Hmm. My name is Summer. Obscure jokes. Obscure in Marvel play references. Whatever. My name is Summer Yeager. I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy. And Joy, um, I'm going to tell you this, and I, I think I already know your answer. Okay. But I'm just curious because our minds work so the same and so differently. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard to know right. if it's going to be different or the same. Yeah. This is one of those. So we've had a lot of... Um, construction people in and out of our house because of a leak that happened remember Mm -hmm. and it's been a horrible nightmare trying to get yeah the wall taken out and everything dried and replaced and it's been a nightmare so we've had a lot of i don't know what the work the word is but like you know men who do building repair construction yeah we've had to have the guys that pull the stuff out we've had to have the plumbers we've had to have the guys who repair the wall we've had to have the guys who dry walls and carpets carpet replacement like everything every and so my thought was that if i was going to be a serial killer that would be the perfect job to get because you're in and out of people's houses mm-hmm. and you're like learning about their habits and you learn what kinds of locks and windows they have and you learn the layout of the house and okay btk <laughs> <laughs> like what i'm saying is is like if... well and your if your fingerprints are there or a strand of hair is there you're right. like yeah i, I did here. the drywall at the ohulahan <laughs> residence right 3 weeks ago right so I told Eric, I was like, this is what I've been thinking. Mm -hmm. And 
he was like, I wonder how many times like the way that you think about this stuff has maybe saved your life. <laughs> and I was like, wait, aren't we all thinking about how someone might be trying to kill us all the time? Is that not? I feel like we are. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty constantly. There's times I indulge it a little bit. There are times when I'm just like, nope. You you may not think about that because that's not <laughs> that's not edifying and sure. it's not going to help your day at all to vividly imagine someone hurting you or your family sure. like yeah. that's not. But yeah, um, I do sometimes think about like, oh, that'd be a great hiding place. That would be, <laughs> or like somebody is hiding there to get me. Right. Or like if you you're like oh that's an obvious loophole like someone could totally use that to yes I'm all I think I'm always wondering what episode of Unsolved Mysteries I'm in mm-hmm. like which oh yeah which episode yeah. am I in and how do I stay out of it mm-hmm. is kind of my life and I I think we've kind of talked a little bit before I think that's like the female fascination with true crime is the reason I want to know how that episode of 2020 ends is because I want to avoid being in that position. Right. Yeah. If possible, yeah. obviously. And, you know, you can theologize about this and ask yourself if you really should be doing that or not for a million good reasons. But I also feel like as women, like I know if I'm walking to my car at night by myself, I'm going to be much more aware of my surroundings than I would be if I'm walking at a car at night with a group of like right. my husband or my brother mm-hmm. or my dad or other people like you're going to, yeah. you know, hopefully act differently. Yeah. It's different. And I mean, uh, yeah, it just, women are tend to be, you should be the aware. victims of crime more. Yeah. Um, you should be aware of your surroundings and the people around you. And, but certainly the endless stream of podcasts and true crime <laughs> books doesn't, doesn't help, help. <laughs> because statistically you're, well, I don't even know if I should say it, but Statistically, I was going to be very specific, but statistically, a woman is most likely to be murdered by her husband. So, <laughs> and yet, when every time you walk into the house, you're not like, "How's it going to go down?" That's true. <laughs> that is true. So part of it is sort of, you know, yeah. Part of it is legitimate, and, and then part, part of it's, of it's just, curated, just like, yeah, kind of a fascination. Fear, yeah. <laughs> just saying, guys, it's usually the husband. <laughs> I'm not saying that applies here, <laughs> but there's a reason or someone, you know, and usually it happens in the heat of the moment. It's not planned out. Well, not like the drywall murders. Of the drywall murders. 2028 that were not committed by summer. By me. It wasn't me. Also, I'd have to be a man. I do. We have a. Um, Which is never going to happen. We have a carpet cleaner yeah that lives in our apartment complex oh cool so he has like a branded van that belongs to him personally so it's parked in his spot yeah yeah and um so on the side it says like a list of all the things and then one of the things is red stains (laughs) (laughs) what and i was like (laughs) i hope that's wine (laughs) right is that it's just very specific you are more given to spilling if you're drinking wine (laughs) spilled a lot of wine while i was murdering someone 
So red really just covers it, right? That's really Because if I said it was wine stains, it wouldn't be totally honest, but. That's wild. I've heard that wine is, though, really hard to get out of, like, just give up. So maybe that's what he's trying to maybe, sell is yeah. like, no, you can remove a wine stain. I will show you. Like, maybe that's what he's. Yeah. I wouldn't know. I just feel like it's sort of a euphemism for blood. Blood. It was a nicer way of saying yeah. it. Yeah. Also, I'm a white wine drinker, just for the record. <laughs> because of the stains, really. <laughs> because of the stains. <laughs> you should introduce yourself now. <laughs> That we've gone. White wine doesn't stain the carpet. <laughs> does not stain the carpet. Um, anyway, you're right. I am Joy. And I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Summer. Mm. And nothing I could say <laughs> that really would bring us back from where we've gone. Well, I mean, man, if I told you what I was planning on saying, oh. I just don't know where it would take us. Hmm. But I had a thought that was something along the lines of when you talk about time traveling in a weird way you are we're all time travelers because <laughs> we travel like through the future you know what i mean so I like if you made a statement saying <laughs> sometimes when you make a statement regarding time your past self is actually the one that started making that statement so what we've learned today <laughs> is that i um, no, that would be that's a story. A time traveling serial killer. <laughs> that's what never so they same. never found Jack the Ripper because I'm just Summer. Jumped. I'm always looking for a ser- serial killer, and this is Joy. <laughs> She's a time traveler. <laughs> Technically, in some ways. In some ways, you know. Um, so my dad mentioned something from the pulpit a couple of weeks ago about how it was the Christian worldview that changed like our view of time mm-hmm. like we view time as this linear thing right we're in this point we're moving forward mm-hmm. um but up until then like a lot of the ancient pagan peoples especially thought of time as a circular type right. of thing yeah. that you drop in and out of and um i just thought that was super interesting because like ever since he said that i've been noticing cuz i'm always reading up on new age stuff yeah I can't stop. I don't know how. Um, and just like noticing like their circular, like their relationship with time and right. things like that has really been pronounced. And all things kind of being one with no ending. Right. Like a circle is very representative of a lot of that yep. stuff. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting. It's oneism. Circles and crystals. Circles and crystals, you guys. <laughs> Pagan. <laughs> Um, anyway, so hi. Yes, here we are. I wanted to remind you all to, um, well, especially because last night LifeSite News got kicked off of YouTube. I was oh, yeah. like, this is, I just want to, to talk to you guys real quick because people are asking. Eventually, when we get kicked off of Facebook, which we will, um, you can find us on Gab at Sheologians. Um, yeah. And... You know, now is the time to Christians need to be building alternate everything right now while we still can. Yeah. Like while it's still an option. Um, so Gab is one of those uh, places that is safe to be if you have an opinion that isn't men can become women. And that's just that's where we'll be. Um, 
And also, we've had people asking, like, what is our plan for the future? And we do have one. And we're meeting with somebody next week to make it a reality. But our hope, because I also don't think that we are long um, for Patreon, is to build our own. To build, like, our website right now is held together by a string. um, And we want to invest in a website where uh, we can do our book club. And it's going to be something that we can't be kicked off of (laughs) because we built it, we own it, um, and you guys are welcome there. And our book clubbers are definitely like one of the blessings in our week that um, also want to have a place where they're not going to get kicked off of. So we're just going to be looking for ways that we can build community that you guys can engage with each other and you don't have to worry about it being a safe place right. for you to do that or where you're going to be censored. Um, and so, yeah. And while we, while we work on that, you can support us at patreon.com slash for now. That's how we're going to um, make this happen. You can also donate through the website or buy a t-shirt at shop mm-hmm. And we're just going to be working on that over the next couple months. I do think too, at some point that we probably won't be on, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Yeah. Like, I just don't know how. So we're going to try to make <clears throat> a, the great thing about the social medias and podcast players that currently exist is they're very um, user friendly, organized. They're great. There's a reason why many, many people, billions of people <laughs> use these services. So right. we're going to try to come up with something that is um, that we own. Yeah, but, but that it still offers some of the same right things options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just don't I don't see any way that we couldn't be censored off of those platforms in the next year or two. I just right. don't think it's I don't think it's possible. The things that we say and that we talk about are not going to be allowed, and I think all of us Christians need to come to grip with that. And um, whatever you're doing, you know, if you have the opportunity to support us great but support ministries that are trying to do that right now because i think it's super super important mm-hmm. um to do and uh, like more more so than ever so anyway that could be a whole episode on like a theology of um creating content and uh how to live in a post-christian world but that's not for today. Today, it's follow us on Gab, join us on Patreon, <laughs> help us get this website going, and uh, be prepared to find your Christian content elsewhere soon, right. which is a bummer because apps are really great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but It'll take some time to get yeah. on <clears throat> the level, the same level as yeah. some things, mm-hmm. but we'll do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're making it. We're going to make it happen. <laughs> okay. Um, do we have anything else? 470. Our voicemail number is 470-465-0475. Yes. Are you guys needing to be down here? Are you trying to share Yerba with me? No, I'm throwing these away. Darn. <laughs> Pastor Jeff. Um, well, Isaac and Matt were wondering what. Yeah, we are. Oh no! I couldn't hear you. Yeah, (laughs) it's fine. We get interrupted and stuff on this podcast too, by kids and things like that. It's fine. We'll let our pastor interrupt us this once, (laughs) never again. (laughs) 
Never again. Anyway, you can leave us a voicemail. Everybody gets one. 470-465-0475. And um, yeah. Do we have anything else? I think that's it in terms of housekeeping Great. stuff. Serial killers. Time travelers. Gab. <laughs> uh, so something I, I, I have been asked by listeners to talk about and something that has been on my mind a lot lately is I remember being a little kid in church and hearing the gospel and thinking, okay, I get all of this. This all makes sense. But what does Jesus doing all this stuff 2000 years ago have to do with how I act at school tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's like a central question of the Christian life. Yeah. That, um, we have had to like put feet on over the last year in ways that we've never been asked mm-hmm. to like put feet on it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just want to talk about that. Joy, if you could just roll quickly tell us what Jesus's life, death and resurrection has to do with our <laughs> lives today. I know you're prepared. Everything. <laughs> and talk to you Everything. guys next week. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all I have. That's Everything. All. That's it. But no, you're right. Well, and I think some people get, a lot of people like have an instinct for that. And I suppose they know like the Sunday school answer or whatever. And they know the they know that everything is the answer, but maybe it's how the reason why it's so commonly asked is they just need some mm-hmm. guidance in how to think about that. Right. Because we haven't really. Mm-hmm. As a group of people, the people who are alive right now, we haven't been able to, we haven't been taught so much how to think about things. Mm-hmm. And so it might just be like, well, yeah, I know that. But like, I want to know why. Why? Know and, and what, what does it look means. like? What's yeah. the practical right. like application of it? And I think that has, that is what has tripped us up so much in the year of 2020 and Corona mm-hmm. is just that I think, you know, for so long we've been like, well, the nice thing to do is never discuss politics or religion. Then you can get along. Right. Uh, but what that, I mean, what that's a failure to see is that your theology is going to influence your politics. And essentially your theology tells you what to do, how to love God, and your politics tell you how to love neighbor. Mm-hmm. And these are the two things that Jesus has Jesus told us needs to take up right. our life and our time mm-hmm. is love God, love neighbor. Well, love God. That's your theology. That's your religion. Right. Love neighbor. That's your politics. Politics defines how you love your neighbor. Right. Who you vote into office is going to determine how you love your neighbor. Right. Any, any <clears throat> government, which not that long ago would have meant you governing yourself mm. and then a family government and then a church government and then right the actual like state government or magistrate right. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, even that's changed so much, but it obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, there you go. That's a great, that's a great, uh, example of what Christ's life, death and resurrection mm-hmm. <laughs> impacts or affects it. So if if that's we we've lost that because we don't think of government as being you governing yourself. We think of when you say 
government, you think of this the daddy big, state. Yeah, you think of the, father state, the Capitol building, mm-hmm. and the Senate, and all this stuff. But actually, this being that for some reason gets to tell you like how fast you can drive and what kind of business you can have, right? Um, and they tell you like mm-hmm. how to be moral, and we. Mm-hmm. But actually, the first emphasis would have always been right for you to govern your own self right and um as we've just as we have talked about at length on this show um anyone who doesn't have an objective standard for how to govern themselves is just governing themselves willy-nilly and anything good that comes out of it is just god's common grace yeah (laughs) you know for sure um uh, they would consider it almost by luck (laughs) like Mm -hmm. "Mm, it's a good thing mother nature what a wild chance (laughs) but i mean i think a guiding principle that we would offer is that jesus jesus is king he like he's supreme he's supreme over the church and what i just said i could say he's supreme over the church period and all Christians would be comfortable with that. Right. But he's not just supreme over the church. He's also supreme over the church, the family, mm-hmm. and the government. Mm-hmm. Like, he is king over all these things. Like, a lot of people pull up Romans 13 to, say, to try to, like, say that the government, you know, you have to listen to the government as if it's, like, you listen to this thing that's operating outside of this sphere. But the government is referred to as God's deacon. Right. Like, the government is to serve God. Yeah. Um, and so just as we would tell a wife that she has Well, and to maybe s- that's where this weird misunderstanding comes from with people who hear mm-hmm. who hear about women's roles and they're just like, oh, how archaic, how mm-hmm. like what monsters? Because mm-hmm. there's a, like a fundamental disconnect mm-hmm. between um the behavior of the person that you're called to obey and submit to. Right. That is still, there are contingencies on, right. On what you are to submit to. Right. So we would tell a wife, she has to submit to her husband. And as far as he's not asking her to disobey God, and we would say, you have to submit to the government insofar as it's not asking you to disobey God. Right. Where the government is telling you to disobey God, you must disobey the government. Right. Just as if a husband is telling you to disobey God, you must disobey your husband. Right. These There are there are spheres of sovereignty all over our lives that are supposed to be governed in different ways according to the authority that God has given. But that's just the thing is that all authority all righteous authority is given by God. Right. So ultimately you cannot righteously untangle your religion and your politics. Like you're you, these, there is nothing else like anything that you're discussing. It falls under these two categories right. as far as I'm yep. concerned. Um, <laughs> and all of that to say, I think for so long, we have been told that who who you are, you've heard the saying because you went to public school, <laughs> who you really are is who you are behind closed doors, right? I mean, how many times have you like pietistically been told that that is who you are? Right. And what I'm thinking more and more is that like, yes, you can learn something about yourself or about someone else when you find out what they did when only God could see them. But I think... It's so important, especially in our time, to acknowledge that who you are is also 
you can see it clearly by what you're willing to say publicly when it's going to cost you something. Like who you are in the public square when it's going to cost you to do that, to be that person. Like if I'm only a Christian behind closed doors, but publicly I give a pass to all kinds of sin. Like publicly, I'm like, the government doesn't need to bow to God. The church doesn't need to bow to God. Like my religion is my own. It's private. Like that tells me who you are too. And that's something that because you've also separated, you're trying to separate, you know, your private self from your public self in a way that it can't be untangled. Right. The 2000, like there's no thousands of years there's no time from the life of Christ that's going to occur mm-hmm. that will allow you to right untangle no the the two no like- <laughs> so like it it's it is true that what you do in secret is a a part of who you are but what like your your faith can't be something that's private like right. there's no separating these two like you don't get to confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. And then go on supporting and living in such a way where Jesus actually isn't Lord. He's not Lord over how I am at work. He's not Lord over how I vote. He's not Lord over, you know, what kind of church I attend. He's not Lord over my relationships. What I'm trying to wrap up here and explain is that I think a large part of what is happening around us in our culture is a result of this horribly unbiblical idea that your Christian faith is just a private personal matter between you and Jesus that that doesn't necessarily work its way out into the world because it's mostly just about you and Jesus. Now, your faith is your faith and it is absolutely your soul. People are right. People are like you, you are accountable for things that you do in private and Yes. When you do certain things in private, maybe it's um, one of those things like, um, you know, what what's in your heart is what's going to come out of your heart. Um, that je- that happens more in private, and you're still accountable <laughs> for those things. Generally. Uh, yeah. But the Christian life isn't one that is just like, well, when I'm at home, I'm a Christian. No, no, no. Like, Jesus is king over everything that you do right he is lord over the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof that includes you and your heart and it includes the senate building down the street like it includes it's the earth is the lord's and all that is in it right that's the whole reason why you talk that's like the whole premise of that point is that he knows what you're doing when you're alone (laughs) he knows what you're doing when you're alone and he's supreme and all-knowing Mm -hmm. Like he's that he is an honorable God that we should be practicing Mm -hmm. uh, reverence Mm -hmm. towards. Um, There is nowhere he asks to be worshipped and he's meant to be worshipped. So demands. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I just want to go real strong. Yeah. Asked is uh, (laughs) a. A nice he asked people and then <laughs> killed entire groups of people for not doing it. <laughs> if we want to be clear. This is um, <laughs> really not a suggestion. And you that's know what how I mean. when someone we, like asks you a question, you can tell if it's a 
suggestion right. yeah. or a command. a command. Like yeah. when Jesus says something, when God speaks, like it's a command. Well, yeah. And so I guess all that to say, it's not, it's not really all that biblical to, uh, we could probably, if we thought about it, we could probably figure out when this little private personal pocket Jesus was created, but there's not really a lot in the Bible suggesting that we just only have a mm-hmm. personal private relationship. There's really no. not much of anything at all no. other, other than like God knowing you intimately. But even then he was like, I know you intimately and worship me. Right. <laughs> so, this is, and this is how you're to live. Yeah. And part of how we're to live is to publicly worship him. Right. The corporate gathering of the saints is to be a public gathering of human beings. Right. Uh, that is what God commands of us. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to see this last year over how what the government was commanding came directly into collision with what God commands. And the eruption over that has been on such a scale. Um, the confusion over that has been on such a scale that it has made me constantly think, okay, what does it do Christians, do we live in accordance with what we say? Or do we believe that our faith is just a personal and private matter? And it's really made me think about what God said he saved us for. And it was, I mean, it's for his glory. That's the simple answer. But, you know, everybody knows Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows, for by grace you've been saved through faith. This not of yourselves is a gift of God, so that no one may boast. What's verse 10? What is verse 10? Verse 10 is, for we are his workmanship, Mm -hmm. created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We were created for good works that God has prepared us to work. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this was God's idea. It was all of God. It was his grace that did it. Right. This faith was a gift that none of us generated in ourselves. And the good works come after. <laughs> like once you have been saved, right? now you were saved for what? It says right here, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Like that is what it means to have a faith that is not just what you do in private. And mm-hmm. I, I don't believe the whole point of why I brought us there is I don't believe that anybody has a faith that's only lived in private. I don't believe that. I don't believe that you can be a Christian and this is, you're just a Christian in your house. No, you keep, (laughs) what you keep private are, well, there's some things you keep private, rightfully so. But what's, but, you know, um, but the things you keep really, really, really private tend to be sin. Sin. Yeah, it's sin, (laughs) Um, usually. Yeah. (laughs) yeah there's not a reason to well now we have the doctrine of a lot of people think that uh which again this is why it's important this is why the life death and resurrection of jesus is still important today because this is not correct um but a lot of people think that we were created so to do good works and what Mm -hmm. what that meant is that we are we were created uh to make people feel good and never make anyone feel bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, no. Uh, <laughs> I actually, so what I wanted to just quickly do, because 
Okay. Uh, the Bible reading challenge actually had us in First Timothy this okay. week. And I was reading it and I was like, man, you know, there's so many Christians who, okay, so I bet there's Christians listening to this and they're like, yes, I don't want my faith to be private. I want my faith to affect everything I do. But what does that mean? What does that look like? How do I practically live that out? And that's what I really want to get to the heart of because okay. I'm not, we're talking to Christians. Like I'm not trying to convince anybody you should live for Jesus. I'm talking right. to people who already are living for Jesus who are maybe like, what does that look like right now? Mm-hmm. How, how do I practically apply that? And obviously, you know, if I'm talking to somebody who lives in a city or somebody who's married to a farmer, like all of these are practically going to look different, Yeah, but we've been given the principles for them. So the question is, what do I do? Well, Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 2, verse 9 and 10, Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or expensive apparel, but rather by means of good works, as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. So if you make a claim to godliness, you should be adorned in good works. This is a good thing. And if you make a claim to godliness, then you should be covered in good works. Mm-hmm. Okay. What does a good work look like? That's the next obvious question. Right, yeah. Okay, great. I kept reading in First Timothy and I... I saw braids. Does that mean just braids? <laughs> just like a lot of braids? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Paul has some... So it's in his teaching on widows and how to take care of the church in chapter 5, 9 and 10... I thought this was super interesting. And here is a great list for ways that you can be adorned in good works. He says, a widow is to be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man. Here's a list, okay? Having a reputation for good works. And if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work, here's a list of things that Paul says that shows the godliness of a woman doing good works. It's a right. it's a list. You brought up children. You've shown hospitality to strangers. You've washed the saints' feet. You've assisted people in distress, and you've devoted yourself. You have made use of your time in a godly way. Right. That is somebody who is adorned in good works. Like, it's right there. Right. It's amazing. I mean, incidentally, there is also a list of things to not do. If you'd like to be right there, right next comes the list of things you definitely shouldn't do. If in you chapter six? Be a... Are you yeah. looking in chapter six? <laughs> yeah. I have it right here. I, okay. And I wrote in bold, we must conform to godliness and don't do these. Right. Yep. yep. <laughs> it's in chapter six. So, well, here's a list of things not to do. Right. Uh, three says, if anyone advocates a different doctrine... And does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine of conforming to godliness. I love this part. He is conceited and understands nothing. Mm-hmm. But he has a sick craving for controversial questions and disputes about words from which come envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of depraved mind and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. I loved that argument. And there's mm-hmm. so much there. Oh, yeah. There's so much there. But I think that the overarching point is like, how do you not apply your faith? Have a sick craving for controversial questions right. and disputes about words. Be yeah. envious. 
use abusive language, be constantly fighting with people. And I love that he thought people who are deprived of truth suppose that godliness is a means to gain. Mm -hmm. Whereas we believe if you have the gain of godliness, then you are blessed. So it's like a complete inversion. Right. Um, which I thought was super interesting. But then he says, but godliness actually is a means of gain when accompanied by contentment. So in all of the good works that we are to do, we must be content in them as well. So it can't be like, I'm trying to earn this. I'm trying to earn favor. It has to be done resting in who Christ is Mm -hmm. and being content with what he's given us. But it also makes me think that passage about just like how easy it is to just have that i loved the verbiage a sick craving for controversy yeah. oh yeah um and what what a uh, translation are you in i think that was the nasb okay which yeah. is esv says unhealthy but i prefer sick, sick craving <laughs> yeah Does it say unhealthy craving unhealthy craving for controversy yeah mm-hmm. okay so why do we bother why do we bother with good works? Like, what is the point? And as I teach my kids and like as I homeschool my kids, whenever we talk about anything spiritual, what I always want, which is, I mean, often we're memorizing scripture and yeah. I need all of us to be in Proverbs every day. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean us, I include myself. Yeah. Yes. Like I need, <laughs> we must do that. Um <laughs> What I always want to tie it back to is like, why, how do you even explain to a kid why to love truth? What is truth? Yeah. What? Why does all of this matter? What does it mean that Jesus is king? And I think in our like very modern American context, like we don't have kings right. anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like we don't think in terms of like the supreme ruler. Um. And so I want that to be very vivid for my kids that like, yeah. because he is ultimate, mm-hmm. because he is supreme, that is why we, that is why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. Like it, but it is a matter of faith to believe that the way that I do the dishes today is because of King Jesus. Right. So ultimately it is a matter of faith, but then you can be pragmatic about it as well. Yeah. Like, why does it matter how I do the dishes? Well, pragmatically, because every beca- it's only because of Jesus that anything matters. Right. If Jesus didn't, so you can you can you can explain it in the positive and the negative. Yeah. The positive is we love Jesus. We were meant to worship Him. We're made in His image. We reflect Him. This is how we glorify Him. He has told us how to do it. He's told us how to live peaceably, how to live with content, how to put our hands to the plow, how to deal with what's in front of us in a way that's joyful. Those are all commands. And we can do it because he's supreme. Mm -hmm. But also, if he's not supreme, what does any of it matter anyway? Right. Who cares how you do anything? Right. Why be cheerful? If there is no God, if Jesus didn't defeat sin, Satan, and death, then what's the point? There is no point. Mm -mm. And I think that's... The, the negative argument is just fine, but it seems more pragmatic, <laughs> like a little bit more of a scare tactic if you're talking to a 10-year-old, right. which is, right. again, I think they should understand and be able to argue that apologetically. Right. Like, the that's what you just said isn't the total equivalent of presuppositional apologetics, um, but it's 
it's a like it's a technique, but it's not um you don't just believe in God. Well, you don't you don't just uh believe in God because what would be the point otherwise? Otherwise, right. Um right. Yes, but also no. <laughs> um <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I just uh it's interesting. I mean, I feel like I don't I don't know like how much I I wrote down some notes, but I feel like yours are better. <laughs> <laughs> this is just, this has been so, this is something I'm thinking about all day, every day. Okay. Um, And it, that's been true for months now of just. Well, because you're trying to equip, not on the podcast, you're trying to equip little people mm-hmm. in this topic. Yeah. You're trying to explain to them. Yeah. Why. It makes more sense to me too now, like why you phrase it the way you did, which is like, what does some, what does a man, what does Jesus, a man who lived 2000 years ago, like, what does that have to do with my life? What does that mean? Because like I said, when we first started talking about it, when I was a kid, I remember believing and thinking like, yeah, I believe that Jesus did all that. What does it have to do with me? Right. And so many questions that I see people asking now at the bottom of it like if you kept digging that's the actual question like you might be asking me about a mask you might be asking me about the government you might be asking me about a vaccine but like if you kept digging and peeling layers off the real question is do you believe Jesus is king right yeah ultimately it's about well I guess ultimately for even is there any point does sort of prove <laughs> what it has to do with it. Like, is there any point? Um, but I guess maybe that's like, um, I'm struggling to figure out a way to say what I'm trying to say. And I don't want to say it incorrectly. <laughs> um, you do feel the weight of your words. Yeah. When you're talking about Jesus yeah, to a lot mm-hmm, of people. And, yes. And you want to talk more slowly. Right. So now I'm trying to think of just like a way to summarize what I'm trying to say and it's not happening. It's not happening. <laughs> when people ask questions like what does X, Y, and Z really matter? What does... In, in- well, so yeah, like, okay, I think I got something. It... Oh, man. Brain. <laughs> I need so more it, yerba. So with... It doesn't matter. So what's the point? Like we said. Mm-hmm. But because we know inherently that that's not how it works and it does matter, mm-hmm. that means you, so just because without God, it doesn't matter. That doesn't mean we jump on the side of, oh, well, neutrality. Like, so there's no God, so it doesn't matter. No, that means we need, we need instruction on what matters, why mm-hmm. it matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's given in the scripture. The scripture is, mm-hmm. that's the, uh, it is the will mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. It's where he says, not only does not, does it not matter, <laughs> This these are the things that you, that are good works and this is why you're here. Yeah. So yeah, it's like kind of mm-hmm. twofold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, First Timothy keeps, answers the question, and I had never read it. How many times have I read First Timothy? I don't know. At least 12 in my life. Minimum of 12. And I've never, like, put this together before. But, 
you know, after he's talking about, you know, if you advocate for different doctrines, if you have a sick craving, mm-hmm. if you don't care about the truth, like that's what don't don't be that person. Uh, in verse 11, he goes on to say, but flee from these things, you man of God. So this is a this is a command to those of us who claim God. He says, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I direct you in the presence of God who gives life to all things. Here's his bona fides. Like, here's why you're obeying. Here's why you made this confession. Uh, God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate. So here's our brother that went before us that we're to follow. That you keep the commandment without fault or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed, here he is, bona fides, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. That's why you're going to live this way. I guess, yeah, I guess that's why I'm like struggling to talk about this because it just seems like a given to me. It is, like if yeah. you have an issue mm-hmm. with this, mm-hmm. um, like you know, if your your question, what does someone who lived a bunch of thousands of years ago have to do with me? I think you don't maybe know who Jesus is, mm-hmm. <laughs> or like, and in terms of that, I mean his role. I don't mean like you don't know him, right? Um, but I, yeah, I, what does it mean that he's king? Right. But that's the thing is that in America you're you are raised to believe the state is king. Right. Whether you realize it or not. Right. Because you don't question what they're doing. Well, in- and and even in like in non uh, legal or federal matters, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. it then the power is given to you to determine mm-hmm. what's mm-hmm. right and what's wrong. And so yeah, I mean I guess I do I I guess for people that believe we have in the last 2000 years have evolved socially mm-hmm. as a culture mm-hmm. that we've become so much more intelligent and innovative and scientific. Right. So I guess maybe mm-hmm. we don't need to be steered by the morality of an old book, mm-hmm. but if that's what you believe or if that's what your inclination is towards, then mm-hmm. um, you got it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that's not what the Bible says, right? Or indicates mm-hmm. at all. Um, mm-hmm. Their morality isn't like a, it's not a social mm-hmm. construct. So right. what what Jesus has to do with? I mean, like I said in the beginning, it's like everything. Everything is everything. But that's <laughs> what I'm saying is that we might say that with our mouths, but like, do we believe that? Right. Are we willing to throw ourselves into a life that is utterly and totally guided in every way by what he has commanded and revealed? And that's a whole other Many question. Times, no. And it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to do that. Mm-hmm. And it, it takes. But the thing is, is like, it's hard. But I also think we've missed how glorious. Right. Like and how you were made to worship when you live a life of worship mm-hmm. that is joy yeah that is joy and and but yeah. obviously life is hard but even in 
even in suffering and even in trial, contentedness with the Lord is the path to true joy and happiness. Well, and don't you think that so much of this would have to do with our destruction of the role or work that God gave to men Mm. and to women? Mm -hmm. We, Mm -hmm. this is what I think about day in and day out because <laughs> I'm a newish wife and newish mom but I think about like how I've been I mean I'm a sinner so there you go step one <laughs> step two <laughs> I was raised in a culture um, that was uh, shaped by the sexual revolution and feminism Mm-hmm. Most of our parents learned about parenting from feminists. Mm -hmm. Um, We have been taught to resent Mm. the work Mm -hmm. that we have for us. Mm -hmm. Um, We resent it because it's not the kind of work we want to do because it's too much work. Um, And we... we al- we allow it to that resentment creates bitterness towards our husbands towards children towards the church towards mm-hmm. um and you know this isn't even just this isn't just for married moms um we resent mm-hmm. even as single women we resent the work that we've been given to do and honestly i think a big part of it is that we sometimes aren't always very real about how much work has been given to women to do right married mom single whatever mm-hmm. um there is a lot if you are adorned in good works mm-hmm. you are probably working working your booty yeah. off yeah um and there is such a difference and but- i want to say really quickly don't mm-hmm. lose your next thought yeah. that what work looks like for one woman isn't necessarily what it's going to look like for another. So I think a lot of times in these conversations, we can get real tripped up because we're like, well, so-and-so did 85 things today and I did three. Am I not working? Think quality, not quantity. Right. Think of being faithful with what God has given you. You don't, you can't be faithful with what God has given someone else. Right. So just, and yeah, what I mean is just work that continues that doesn't end. You don't get to just like cross it off and be like, oh, well, I fed everyone forever for the rest of their lives. <laughs> um, <laughs> or, you know, I served the church or right. served the children or. Right. And I just did it forever. So now I'm good. Um, <laughs> but what I mean is just like it's an immense. Um, We don't want it. Right. We are discontent. Mm-hmm. We're, we don't want the amount of work we have. We don't want the kind of work that's been given to us. And we resent it. And mm-hmm. there is a difference. The heart of the person who says, look at all this work. Um, this was given to me. I didn't even choose this. I'm just a woman. And so now I didn't even choose this. And my husband sucks and all this and my kids suck and and I'm not speaking. I'm not saying that's from my perspective. I'm saying these are just the things we do. Um, But that person's heart looks much different from the person that says, look at all this work that I have to do. It's a lot of work. 
and I'm going to do it. <laughs> yes. Make and up now, your mind. Also, you don't have to do it without any support or someone to help carry your burden. But right. I think that's the maybe that's just the big disconnect that we see is that if we're supposed to be adorned by good works, like mm-hmm. we don't want to work. Right. Right now. Right. No, it's too hard. Well, we've been told not to. We've been told that it's mm-hmm. actually um, specifically to women, the type of work we've been given is actually not up to our full potential. Right. And it's sort of uh, insulting almost the kind of work mm-hmm. that's been given to us. So we can kind of turn up. Our, I think we just turn up our nose at our work right. a lot. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's if you want to be practical, mm-hmm. like, are you if you're adorned by your good works, are you turning up your nose at the work you've been given? Are you always seeking different work than the kind of work you've been given? Right. Are you... um. Like the type of the way that the life, death and resurrection of Christ should affect your life is that you're doing the work that he's given you mm-hmm. with contentment. Yeah. There's this really great Walter Marshall quote that is I brought that's totally in line with what you're saying. Okay. He's an old I believe he's an old Puritan. If I'm wrong about that. Leave me a voicemail. Um, He said, great multitudes of ignorant people that live under the gospel harden their hearts in sin and ruin their souls forever by trusting on Christ for such an imaginary salvation that does not consist at all in holiness, but only in forgiveness of sin and deliverance from everlasting torments. They would be free from the punishment due to sin, but they love their lust so well that they hate holiness and would not be saved from the service of sin. If ever God and Christ give you salvation, holiness will be one part of it. And to be clear, like living a life of holiness right. is what he means. Yeah, Doing the good works you've yeah. been saved mm-hmm. for. <clears throat> Another thing we don't, don't want to do. If ever, I love this, if ever God and Christ give you salvation, holiness will be one part of it. If Christ does not wash you from the filth of your sins, you have no part with him. John 13, 8. What a strange kind of salvation do they desire that they do not care for holiness. They would be saved and yet be altogether dead in sin. Aliens from the life of God, bereft of the image of God, deformed by the image of Satan, his slaves and vassals to their own filthy lusts, utterly unsuitable for the enjoyment of God and glory. Such a salvation as that was never purchased by the blood of Christ and those that seek it abuse the grace of God and turn it into lasciviousness. So your faith being a real faith is it's going to be lived in a life of holiness in pursuit of holiness in pursuit of God. Right. And it's going to affect every area of your life, your politics, your religion. Um, Fighting your flesh is a good work. (laughs) that you were saved to. Um, And I guess just the whole, the last thing, the last thought I had on this was that I think we need to continually encourage each other not to be misers. That's why I brought up the word. Okay. (laughs) Not to be misers in our faith. So if you think about the parable of the talents, you are not to be the servant that was given one talent and then he went and buried it. Because instead of going to the marketplace, trading on it, using it and bringing. So I think the master gave the first one five and he came back with five more. So Mm -hmm. he brought back 10. He doubled it. Right. He went and he used his talent. He expended it in the marketplace in public Mm -hmm. 
And the master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant, which is what we want to be told (laughs) at the end of our lives. But the miserly servant assumed that his master was a miser who would be mad if he lost the talent. And it was that servant that was spoken harshly to. It, it was that servant that did not do what he was supposed to do. So we've all been given the good works that we're supposed to do. So go do them, right. expend them, use them. Your God is not a miser yeah. who wants you to stay at home. And, Don't project onto God. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a miser. He's given you all that you need for life and godliness and go expend it, go use it. And what that looks like for you is going to be different than for me, right? different than for joy. And that's great. If you, I mean, if you are looking for a good way to just, if you feel convicted, I'm sure there are plenty of people who are listening to this. They're like, okay, cool. Got it already. You know, everyone already knows. (laughs) Um, Maybe you've already been kicked off of something or locked out or something like that. Um, But a really just like a practical little thing is that you can just be like to your friend. Like if I've had to do this before, I had a friend that was like, he, well, he was really mad at me because of sheologians and because, you know, we're transphobes and oh, um, we believe that abortions murder and things like that. And he was just like, I just didn't like know any of this about you and oh. blah, blah, blah. Hmm. And I was just like, I'm sorry, you should have known. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can. Oh, you, you burned can, yourself. <laughs> you can apologize to your friends and family you can you can invite them over for a barbecue because that's what you thought you had to do to give them the gospel. Mm-hmm. And then you can say, hey, I'm sorry. I was letting the barbecue do my good work. <laughs> and it was producing <laughs> crap because that's mm-hmm. what it was. And, um, and I'm sorry. Uh, when we hang out, mm-hmm. I'm going to behave like a Christian now. I'm yeah. going to give you the gospel. I'm going to pray with my family. We're going to worship God. Right. And I just, I'm sorry you didn't know before because you were supposed to. And that's on me. And right. here we go. Um, that can be a really, really easy way to Own it. dip your toe in. Mm-hmm. and Because yeah. honestly, that's the issue. Yeah. If people that you're friends with or people who know you, they don't, if they think of your faith as something mm-hmm. that's private and doesn't have much of a significance or effect on anything, mm-hmm. that's on just you. apologize for and, yeah. having it be that way because it shouldn't be. Repent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of that. Yes. Turn around. Yeah. Def- apologize to them. Repent to God. Yeah. <laughs> as well. <laughs> anyway. Don't be a miser with your faith <laughs> is the message here. Right. And, um, I, so real quickly before we go, I've been trying to get you all to listen to the new. Okay, I definitely should have asked him how to say his last name. Oh yeah, because I've been saying Save, and it has a little thingy jiggy, you know, the over accent. the e. What is that? Is, is that it an a, accent? Is it an accent mark? I think it's an accent mark. Okay, whatever. I'm gonna look it up. There's this pastor in Utah. He makes great music. This is the song you're going to be listening to on our way out. You should definitely stream his music, buy it, download it while you can. It's so good. His name is Brian Save, and I've been listening to his new EP that came out last week called Bright the Writer, and it's just bomb. And this is one way that I'm committed to supporting Christian artists, and you guys should be too. So enjoy the song and 
We'll see you next week. See you. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with a song. That the Lord, He is God.